0: Earlier this week, it was announced that a Canadian middle distance legend was calling it a day on his long and fruitful track career. The numbers attached tell quite the story. He was a three-time Olympian, current Canadian record holder in four events, a Commonwealth silver medalist, a Pan Am bronze medalist, and a many-time NCAA All-American. But those numbers don't tell the entire story. Along with those great successes, this man faced injuries, bad luck, and some really close calls but also inspired a generation of athletes and, up until his retirement, remained one of the most consistent athletes in his event. This week, we salute Nathan Brennan, the Tri-City miler. We'll chat with Nate about his career, spanning his time in Michigan, his Olympic experiences, his reasons for hanging it up, to a possible shot at the marathon. Plus, a few teammates and competitors of Nate's call in to tell stories and talk about how he influenced them. You're listening to The Terminal Mile, at The Terminal Mile on Twitter and Instagram, a tracky radio production. Over the years, I've heard from a few people close to Nate that as a training partner, he's not just someone you work out with. He's a mentor and a provider of great advice. Two of his teammates definitely tell that story. Jessica Furlan is one of our brightest stars in the steeple right now, once holding the national record in the event. And Matt Hughes is an Olympian, national record holder, and now a member of the Bowerman Track Club. But both trained under Wynne Gmitrowski with Nate.
1: In January of 2014, I joined Wynne Gmitrowski's training group. At the beginning of the month, I showed up in Scottsdale, Arizona for winter training, and it was almost like being a college freshman all over again. I was in a new place, learning a new training routine, and had a new coach and new teammates. Luckily for me, those teammates were Matt Hughes and Nate Brennan. As the one who had been coached by Wynn the longest and with the most experience, Nate was a sort of unofficial leader of our little group. He mostly led by example, giving guidance when necessary, but was always willing to help when asked. What I learned most from him was his ability to have unwavering focus and dedication, no matter the circumstances. His attention was always on what he needed to do to be successful, and he was never concerned or distracted by things that were out of his control. This is not an easy thing to do, but he did it extremely well and through a lot of ups and downs. Whether training was going well, or he was doing a walk-run program coming back from an injury, you would never know the difference, because his level of dedication, focus, and professionalism was always the same. This is a rare skill, but a huge part of what made him so successful and over such an extended period of time. I know Nate has positively influenced a lot of athletes throughout his career and will continue to do so even in retirement, but I feel very grateful that I was able to watch and learn from him firsthand on a fairly regular basis. He not only set the bar high for our training group, but he also helped elevate the rest of us to as close to his level as possible. I 100% would not be the athlete that I am without having had him as my teammate. And so I feel incredibly lucky that I did.
2: Uh, Nate meant a lot to my career. I first met him in uh, 2013 when I joined Wynn's group coming out of college. Um, And I was just taken aback about how, how professional Nate was every single day, trained very hard, um, I remember coming out of college, people referred to Nate as AB and I don't think he really liked that but uh, it stood for all business and it kind of embodied what Nate was all about. Um, you know, when I was coming out of college I thought, you know, a good week of training was probably only going out once a week and getting hammered drunk but um, quickly learned from Nate down in Phoenix and in Victoria training with him that, um, you know, Being a good international distance runner is a 24-7 job. You got to be dedicated to it and recovering and taking care of your body is just as important as training hard. Um, And Nate definitely taught me that the the first year of training with him. Um, One thing that people probably don't know a lot about Nate is that he definitely has a sweet tooth. Uh, I can remember being on the road with him and going to the grocery store and then getting back and unloading our groceries and Nate having a little a little grab bag of little treats here and there, but uh, um, I'm happy for you, Nate. You had a great career. Um, you inspired a generation of youth to uh, pursue track and field, so I'll always remember uh, you being a guy that I looked up to in high school. Congrats, buddy.
0: All right, so I have to know, why now? Why did you choose to retire at, at this particular time?
3: Um, well, after 2016, it's... It, it, not necessarily really ready for me, just in, in as a whole. But making the Olympic final, I decided, okay, I got to give, I got to give it another go and go 2017 and and see how things kind of feel and how uh, mentally kind of in it I still am. And at the tw- during 2017, I kind of I don't know if I just did too much training during the winter. Like I was, I was really fit, probably the strongest I'd ever been. My um, my wife. With me one, one day when I did a 10 mile tempo and I hit just over 50 flat, and literally it was a 13 mile run, and I threw a 10 mile tempo in the middle.
4: Hmm.
3: So it was, it, it was just something where I was in a zone I'd never been in, had to run the 5K that year. Uh, I don't know what it was. I just started feeling really crappy. I had my blood work done. I was talking to my coach, um, some of the Canadian doctors, just like, I don't know what's going on. But, I just feel sluggish every day. Um, And so it it was like that through most of 2017. Um, Just like even Canadian nationals going there. I was was like, man, this might be just a really crappy race. I didn't know what to expect. And it didn't go too bad. But um, so ending 2017, just not feeling the greatest and coming to 18 and just physically, I feel like I, I, I could go another two years and run well in 2018. 2020 and probably make another olympic team but i'm not at the point in my life or career where i just want to make teams anymore mm-hmm. so if i can't make a final and be competitive there was kind of no point to to try to hold on and so that was in the back of my mind i was like well can i make the team in 2020 and i thought realistically i could i could pull it together and make a team but then i was like can i make a final want to be my best olympics and both of those, I was kind of like, well, I don't know. I don't think I'll be my best Olympics by any means. And can I make the final in the 15 with the way a lot of the guys are running? I was like, I, I probably can't. Um, and so I didn't want my career to end with this athlete just trying to hold on. Was, it was kind of part of it too. Um, but at the same time, I was like, I think I'm, I'm ready to move on. Just 2017, like I said, I was a little tired. Um, didn't necessarily go as well as I wanted um, and then I was enjoying being home with the family and skiing a couple of times this, this winter. And I was like, I think I'm ready to, to hang them up. And it kind of all came the last kind of few weeks where I was like, yeah, th- this is it. I'm ready to, to, to say goodbye and kind of move on and keep running and, and doing some road races, but not do international stuff and kind of move away from the track and just kind of have fun with, with whatever I decided to do.
0: I mean, I I don't want to press too hard on this one, but did did you find out what was wrong? You know, did do you have that figured out now? I
3: didn't know, and I still don't feel great. It's weird. Like some some days, I'll go out for a run, and I'll, I'll only go six or seven miles, and I'll tell my wife like I don't know how, but I feel like shit today. Um, so it's still one of those things. And I've heard guys in the past are like, yeah, I ran a little too much, and so maybe I need a little bit of a break and and kind of re, revamp, but. um Right now, I'm just probably putting in 40, 50 miles a week, jumping in with the high school group, doing some workouts with them. So I've kind of taken myself away from trying to be competitive and just just having fun and pushing them in workouts. And I feel like a four-mile day, that's what I run. If I feel a little longer, then I'll go longer.
0: You know, uh, speaking of coaching, I I figure it's – I mean, I mean, we couldn't have this interview without, you know, going back to your roots in in Cambridge and and getting started there. And uh, and Mm -hmm. your coach, Pete, um, you know, Pete uh, had a little bit of medical problems himself uh, earlier this year. Mm -hmm. I want to know, you know, are you still in touch with Pete? Um, And, you know, since since you left for Michigan and and even up to today, are you still talking with him? And and uh, do you know how he's doing right now?
3: Yeah, so we were, were obviously not as close as I was in high school with him. But, um, yeah, I talk about Pete all the time and try to keep in, in touch with him as much as I can. He was uh, obviously a major influence in my running career and um, was like that first kind of stepping stone to get me to where um, I ended up going, obviously to Michigan. And through my whole time in Michigan, I always kept in contact with Pete and go home in the summer and train with him. And um, I think even last year when I was back, I went out for a workout. With, with the club so yeah as much as I, I can I'm back with, with the group when I'm home um, and just his, his influence on my life will he'll always be kind of part of my life and uh, um, like I said like I, I, I try to just keep in t- touch with him as much as I can And um, unfortunately he is going through some, some medical stuff that um, is pretty scary but it seems like it's on the men's at least
0: uh that, that's good to hear he's man he's such a good guy always always a, a light at you know every track meet i go to uh for sure yeah you know you talked a little bit about michigan and i and have to think like like that must have been so weird i mean we when we talked a couple of years ago i don't think i fully grasp you know what what that was like i mean that was the time of alan webb and you were kind of heralded as you know canada's answer to alan webb at the time well what was that like going into the NCAA, knowing that there was eyes on you and, and and that sort of stuff?
3: Well, I was in a kind of a unique situation where I, in any given any other year, I would have been the, the top recruit in the country or North America, and um, everyone looking at me. But going in, overshadowed with with Webb being the fastest high schooler ever hmm. um, in in North America, it, it allowed me to come in and develop instead of being kind of sh- sh- thrown right into that limelight um so I, like i literally went to cross country camp that year and it just got demolished by web in every workout hmm. he, he was he was a man against children when it came to the training and his development um and so i i came in got my feet wet used cross country that year to kind of get into the college system and then by indoors and outdoors, I had found my groove. And, um, I, that's my, my PR was from freshman year in the
4: 800 at 1.6. Um,
3: that was the the nice thing. It was kind of that blessing. This this guy is where he came in with all the pressure, unfortunately for him. But for me, I was, it was able just to, to kind of do my thing and, and find the right kind of path that worked for me in training, racing. And, um, it was a better development for me. Um, had it been, like I said, another year, maybe it would be completely different where I came in as the the top recruit that year and more eyes on me. Um, but luckily for me, it wasn't that way. And, um, I I wish to this day that Webb had stayed and and we had myself, Willis Webb, Andrew Ellerton, like we would have had a hell of relays trying to decide between the The stable of guys we had who would have been on DMRs before by miles Uh, but yeah it was definitely a blessing disguise I think
0: well yeah I mean that that Michigan team from that time was you know it was just fantastic I I don't think you know it it, it may be on paper it's been matched since but it just the guys and the people who have come out of there I mean uh, you know you mentioned Nick Willis did did you have any idea that he would turn into the Nick Willis that, that we know and love today
3: Definitely not. He came in as, a, as a
0: big recruit. He was
3: um, obviously overshadowed because of who he had at the time. Um, with myself being a three fifty nine mile in high school, Web three fifty three. He came in as a four hundred one recruit from New Zealand, and uh, not many people knew of him. But right when he got there, like he was twenty eighth as a freshman at an in A's cross country. To be an All American in cross country as a freshman is pretty impressive. Um, it's one of the most competitive cross country races in the world, besides the World Cross Country Championships. Really, mm-hmm. um, so you knew there was a lot of talent. If someone was to tell me Wilson's is going to run three forty nine and three twenty nine, I'd be like, I don't know. But you watch him now, and he's just—he's got this raw ability and talent to um, be able to be there and, and kick and, and finish as, as well as he does. He's, you don't get many guys like that that come on that often, but it, it definitely his, his freshman year it was, he was showing that the kind of glimpses of, of what's to come. Um, but I guess one of my claim to fame is I've, I've never lost to to Willis in cross country and very seldom on the track in, in, in college. So I was luckily enough in, in college, I wasn't able to be the most, most of the races. Um, but then, yeah, I've watched him kind of grow into what he's, he's become. And it's amazing. So I kind of live in, in, his shoes slightly, but part of, part of racing. And I think like, there was a couple of guys who touched on it this year. Um, I don't know if you know, Drew Wendell mm-hmm. with the Brooks beast. So he just got a second at world indoors. And he said the big thing for him, he's hoping he opens those doors where he gets those opportunities that you don't normally get. I I've been in that situation for kind of, I'd almost like to say 12 years now where, I've been super fit and just didn't get the opportunity. Like there was years where I was like, "Just get me into Monaco. I'm going to run three thirty one and I just couldn't get in. And then, or get me into this race. And so that's part of the reason I think I went as long as I did because there was so many years where I was so fit and the fitness kept coming. I was like, "I just need that one breakthrough. I just that one race." And so I'm walking away now, feeling like there, there's more, and I. I've I didn't give everything I had, but at the same time, I'm I'm content and happy with the career. I just think I I could have run faster times than I did.
0: I mean, how how important do you think that those those really fast, uh, you know, often oftentimes, yeah, they happen at Monaco. How important are those races in in mid-distance racing? Do you think?
3: I I very rarely really get into those big races, but. If I went to Edmonton, I ran three thirty-five in Edmonton. I've run three thirty-six in Victoria. I ran three thirty-five in Pennsylvania. So I've—I'm one of the athletes that I think that shows that there was much more in the tank had I got into one of those races that are those like those miracle races. Mm-hmm. Um, They are important, definitely, to to, to hit the times, um, but. There are opportunities out there to get standard. I just felt like I missed the opportunity to run as fast as my my workouts were indicating or my fitness were indicating. Um, but yeah, like you look at Chuck, he runs he run, run three thirty six in a couple of races those years, gets in the Monaco and run three thirty four.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: So it shows. You know, Willis is a good example. He's run three twenty nine what twice now. Mm-hmm. or in 330 once and they were all in monaco and then his next times he's he's typically running about two seconds faster at monaco than than any other track and he'll be the first one to say that's that's the fastest track in the world and in, who, who's have to say it's it's the track or just the atmosphere mm-hmm. you get there with that attitude you know you're gonna run fast and so it's not taking away those those athletes it's not saying they're not it's not saying Chuck wasn't in three thirty-four shape or Willis wasn't in three twenty-nine shape. It's getting those opportunities are so important um, to get the times. But at the same time, for me, it's one of those things where like I wish I could say I've run three thirty-one or thirty-two because I've been that fit. But I don't know if I'd say I'd rather take a three thirty-two than making the Olympic final. So I think I'd, I'd m- more content walking away with a three thirty-four PR but no longer has been in a world championship final and an Olympic final.
0: Nate, a man from the Tri-City area, Kitchener-Waterloo in Cambridge, going to Michigan for school, also showed his mentoring side to another athlete from the KWC a little over a decade later, looking to go south as well. Current Michigan Wolverine, Big Ten champ, and a multiple-time All-American, Ben Flanagan talks about his relationship with Nate.
5: So uh, Nate Brennan's name is... One that you know, I I never would have really been able to get away from, if even if I wanted to. So, I mean, he grew up in in Cambridge, Ontario, which is about 20 minutes away from my hometown. Um, he trained at Tri City Track Club under uh, Peter Grinberg's, um, my high school coach as well. Uh, and he attended the University of Michigan, representing Canada Olympic Games. Um, so you know, I've I've always looked up to him at every stage of my career. Um, because I kept finding myself, you know, granted with the same opportunities that um, that he had in terms of training resources, um, coaches, um, and just like the geographic location even. So um, I have really only got to meet, I've only really had the privilege of meeting Nate Brennan um, a couple of times. And he's, he's a wonderful human being, um, very humble, very kind, and just like natural leader. And, you know, I looked up to him a lot, so I kind of just always always took what he said very seriously. And he was always willing to congratulate me on my performances, um, which was, was pretty awesome and inspiring for me. Um, but before I even got to, to know Nate, um, I really felt like I connected with him on a personal level just because of how many... Um, People I knew and I was surrounded with how many great stories they had of him, um, how highly they spoke of him. Um, My high school um, training partners, well, my training partners when I was in high school, you know, they had the the opportunity to. Some older guys got the opportunity to train with him, and they talked about how, you know, unbelievably talented he was. And you know, I came to Michigan, and you know, you see his name on the record boards, you see the times that he ran um, as a collegiate athlete, um, and you know, the legacy he had here, um, and I read the book, um, Sub 4, and got to learn a little bit more about um, his his experience here at Michigan, so um, honestly, if, if Nate gets a chance to listen to this, I guess what I would emphasize the most is, um, I think I can speak for a lot of people when I say that, you know, Nate's career, um, his work ethic, his attitude, Um, his talent has, you know, inspired me my entire career and he's someone I've always looked up to. And, you know, I've always been trying to chase after his, uh, his milestones that he hit in every single uh, stage of his career. And, you know, I, I haven't been able to really touch any of them, but, um, it's been pretty awesome to, you know, see that benchmark along the way of, you know, what it takes to be an elite athlete at the high school, the national, the NCAA, and the international level, so thank you for that, Nate, um, and congratulations on an amazing track and field career. I wish you a happy, happy retirement from the sport and know that, you know, although you're you're done competing, uh, your legacy lives on, so, um, and as always go blue
0: you know there there's one big race that keeps on coming up when when I talk to your competitors um you know one that really sticks out for them and that is the 2008 Olympic trials now you were you know you were injured for a large chunk going into that but t- what mm-hmm. do you, what do you remember about going into that race and what do you remember about the race itself well the big thing i remember is i, I didn't have
3: standard so going in I was I was literally like shitting my pants, like what I'm gonna, what, what's gonna happen? Like I need to get standard today, and, and that was back when they said the, the team will be announced after the, the um, championships. You have to get standard going in or at the trials, and so when I was talking to my coach at the time, I was like, well, should we just go for it in the heats? Like at least they will give me two opportunities. And he's like, no. Let's just wait to the final. Maybe somebody else will pop up and say they're willing to to help out. And um, I definitely looked around and asked people who if they wanted to to take turns and try to get standard. And um, no one was willing to take bait hmm. except for um, last minute. Kurt Benninger came up and said, "Look, if you take the first six, I'll take the second six, and you take over from there." I was like, "Okay, sure." Hmm. So. So that's how it went. I, I took that first 600 out, and we were a little quick. And then, unfortunately, the pace slowed enough that we weren't going to hit standard that day. And then, right at 400 to go, Taylor went by, and again, kind of didn't didn't take pace and didn't push it. And I kind of got boxed, and um, but it was a good race. Like I, I got second, and luckily they gave me an extension. And what was that? It was a Sunday. The finals on Sunday. I flew to Europe on Tuesday, and I hit standard. I ran 2:34 on Friday. And I was home Saturday, so it all it all worked out. But yeah, it was it was a, a stressful couple of weeks there.
0: Oh, for sure, for sure. You know, I think of that race, and, and I think of you know your twenty twelve fall, uh, you know at at the London Olympics, and and I'm sure you don't need to to relive that. Which is is why when when I was watching Rio, and you made it to that final in the fifteen hundred meters, you know it was just by a hair, but it was. Man, that was so sweet to watch that. Tell me, how, how did it feel from your end? You know, to finally make it to that Olympic file final in 2016.
3: It was just a, a huge relief of emotions, and just it's 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 something most athletes work for. Like to make an Olympics is is the, the the pinnacle of of track and field for most athletes, and then from there it's making that final. So I've never set goals that were just to make a team or to hit this time it was always to see how good I could be um, and really I wanted to win win a medal at, at some point that never happened but it, it didn't prevent me from chasing the, the dream of, of going after a medal and obviously that first step is making the final but um, yeah it was definitely a hard four years from, from London to, to Rio probably from the, for the first reason is that in London, I was as fit as I'd ever been. Um, I thought I was pretty untouchable. Like, I was going to the Olympics, and I thought, there's no way I'm not going to be top five. And maybe I'll squeak in for a medal because it, it doesn't matter how fit you are. It's, it's racing the perfect race on that perfect day to, to snag a medal. You look at Asbel Kip Rap, who will run 328, 329, and then go to the Olympics and finish seventh. So it's bad tactics, getting boxed, whatever the case, there's so many guys there fighting for three spots, and so that I thought that year I thought was my best opportunity to to go after medal and and make that final. And I heard it from thousands of people like, "Oh, next time, next time." Hmm. And I kept, I kept telling myself like, "Well, oh, they don't understand. Like, you get one, maybe two opportunities to do that fit in a career on that day." 2012 literally clicked and every workout every day. I just felt great. Um, and I was like, there's no way that 2016 is going to go that well or I'll be that fit. Um, and 2016 sucked. Like it was, it was one of my worst years. I was just struggling in workouts. Um, I was, I spent a lot of time here in Ohio and the weather was terrible and I was just getting killed and I didn't, I didn't know what it was. And then finally the weather broke and I jumped in a race and ran 3.36 in Windsor. Hmm. I was like, okay, well, I'm fit. It was just hard to tell because I was on the track and it was like two degrees with rain. So just above freezing, raining in 20 mile an hour winds.
4: <laughs> and I'm
3: getting frustrated because I'm not hitting times. Mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But it's looking back, it was putting things in perspective. Mm-hmm. It's like I was super fit, but I didn't, I didn't think I was because it was such a struggle every day. Um, but yeah, once I ran that three thirty six in Windsor, everything just kind of clicked and um, workouts started going better. And it really wasn't until kind of two weeks before the Olympics that I was like, okay, I'm ready to go because it was I came in 2016 a little behind because I got injured in 2015 and had to pull out of the uh, the world champs. So I spent a lot of time in the fall off from that injury, um, and then yeah, so it was kind of a, a catch up game. All of 2016. It was literally my last workout before I flew down to Rio. It it just like I killed it, and I went in super confident. All my workouts leading into the first round went well, and then I just. I remember talking to Win before the the heat. He's like, "How do you feel?" I was like, "Feel good." He's like, what, "What do you? What's the plan?" I said, "Well, I don't really have a plan. It's either I'm going to make it or I'm not." <laughs> i was like, "Well, that's a good attitude." And so it took the pressure off because I was like, I'm going to make the, the semi-final or not. And there wasn't a lot of pressure. I just went in there and raced. Mm-hmm. And then same thing before the semi. I talked to him and I said, well, same thing. I'm, I'm going in and I'm going to go after it. I make the, the final or I don't. It's not, I'm not going to walk away upset that I don't make the wall. I'd, I'd be upset I make, didn't make the final, but it wasn't one of those things where everything was riding on it. I was like, I'm, I'm going to go in confident, run well, and I'm going to walk away either as a finalist or gave it a third try and didn't make it. Um, so I think that attitude really helped at the Olympics. i had been there. That was my third time. And I just took all the pressure off and just raced and kind of got back to having fun with it.
0: You know, I'm, I'm glad that you mentioned when he was uh, you know, your coach for a long time. Oh, what did he say when, when you broke the news to him uh, that you were retiring?
3: He, he was pretty happy for me. He, obviously, he's been with some, some big-name athletes in Canada and, and watched them go through their career. and um, All of them, there was kind of a, a clear point when they were ready. I don't think he, with me he, he saw that, just because I think I ran longer than most of the athletes he'd ever coached. And I just, I've always taken a different approach where, like, you look at a lot of athletes, like, oh, I need to, I'm going to retire now because I want to start a family. Like, mm-hmm. I, I have a three-year-old and a six-year-old, so I didn't wait to that point where I was like, I need to retire so I can start a family. I just did that while I was running and and kind of had two separate parts of my life but that were kind of together the whole time. So I was a father off the track and kind of a... <laughs> a full-time professional runner on it. So I was able to separate them, but, but keep it kind of, um, coexisting or whatever you want to call it together. Uh, but when, was happy that I was, I was ready to move on and, um, it, he's been, he's been a big, obviously part of my life the last seven years. And, um, I learned a lot from Wayne. So it was a great opportunity for me to get to train with him for, should I, I think it was seven years now? Um, and I'm sure I'll still be calling him and asking for advice with the high school group I'm coaching and um, picking his brain. If I, when I do jump in this marathon at some point
0: <laughs> is, is the marathon you know, is that inspired by, uh, by Nick Simmons and, and what he did?
3: No, it was always before that. I always knew I wanted to just run a marathon. Um, and I'm too competitive just to, to run and finish one.
4: Mm.
3: Like I don't want to, Run one and say I ran two thirty six. Like I want to run sub two twenty,
4: mm-hmm. and then I
3: say sub two twenty. I want to run sub two eighteen. So it's like, <laughs> I've got these goals where I want to run pretty quick, mm-hmm. but I'm not. I'm not trying to be elite. Like if they throw me in the elite corral, great. Um, but I'm not. I'm not going to be out there, bust my butt running 100, 20, 130 mile weeks to to be a full time athlete again. Like I've been there, I've done it. I'm ready to move on, and uh, I'll put in kind of what I need to put in to to be sub, two twenty, sub sub two eighteen-ish, and hopefully it works out. Um, But yeah, I'm gonna give it a real go. So at some point, I
0: should say. Oh, okay. <laughs> You know, I, I've been lucky enough to to talk to, a, you know, a lot of different guys. And your name just, you know, it keeps on popping up and popping up. Uh, you know, there's Matt Hughes, who, you know, used to train with uh, with, with Wins Group and, uh, mm-hmm. and Ben Flanagan. And, you know, a lot of guys kind of cite you as being a mentor or, you know, helping them make choices and stuff. In Ben's case, it was to go to Michigan. He consulted with you first. Uh, and Matt mm-hmm. Hughes he you know he credits you as as showing him what a true professional runner was like and uh also being his hairdresser for a little while as well too <laughs> yeah i mean how how important was that to you when when you were you know a professional athlete and and taking those younger athletes under your wing
4: well the,
3: the big thing for me is like i looked i looked up to the older guys as well so i like when i was running i remember in high school getting up I think Sully's race was like 4.30 in the morning because it was in, in Sydney for the 2000 Olympics. And I set my alarm, got up and watched him. He was a guy that I looked up to. Um, so it it means a lot to know that there are guys that, that look up to me that way. Um, but I looked at it as just like doing what, what anybody should do. Like Ben asked me for some advice and I give it to him. So it wasn't like I, I felt like I was being a mentor to these guys. I was just trying to help them out. Like I'd want somebody else to do, um, but it, the the big thing with with those guys is like it's it's no it's great knowing that I maybe had a little bit of an influence on on uh, Ben to go to Michigan, and now seeing him as as uh, an All American cross country this year and Big Ten champ last year that makes me feel good. Like I, I feel like crap if he went to Michigan and it just it didn't pan out and he had a <laughs> shitty time because I loved it there. Mm-hmm. That was the best four years of my life, probably, and I met my wife, and ran fast. So we're pretty fast there, and so it's it makes me feel good that I gave him some advice, and he went there, and it, it's worked. And like, and Matt, like he's he's one of one of my closest friends now, and just having the opportunity to train with him, and and knowing that I had a some small role in in his development means a lot. Like Matt's. One of the best steeplers in the world. He's by far the best steepler we've ever had in Canada. Um, and so when you, when you see a guy that, that is, is that good saying, oh, Nate showed me the, the kind of the ropes and how a professional does it, it makes me feel good about the way I approach things and, and good about that. I'm, I'm able to kind of help somebody else that maybe. Well, he would have been there. He's talented enough, but just to have some kind of influence is awesome.
0: You know, the Athletics Canada put out uh, you know that little poster of you a little bit earlier this week, and just listing some of the accomplishments. I mean, three-time Olympian. You know, you're a multiple-time Canadian record holder. Uh, you've won medals at some pretty major games. You're a four-time NCAA champion. You know, looking looking back at all that now, is is there an achievement that really stands out to you?
3: Um, it, it's funny reading that. Like when I read it myself, I'm like, shit, I, I have done. I, I don't, I don't like to brag and say a lot, but I, I'm like, man, I've, I I've done a lot in my career because mm-hmm. I don't look at it that way. I'm always looking at like, what haven't I done? And, and that's the reason I think an athlete becomes as good as they, they, they do is, is always wanting more and, and feeling like you've never done enough. And so I've always lived my career like, shit i I just haven't made it yet like maybe this is the year this is the year i'm a little a little quicker this is the year maybe i I meddle at this event or break sully's 1500 record whatever it is um so i always felt like there was there was more there and something i was missing um until i i kind of start reading that stuff and and again like i said I, i i don't i'm not that type of athlete that that brags about myself i probably have High school kids on my team that don't know I've been in the Olympics, <laughs> um, but it 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 does kind of make my decision to move on a little easier when I when I read like, oh wow, I I, f- I forgot about those things, and to see this is, he's made twenty national teams, like I didn't I didn't know I've how many teams I've made, and I start adding up, and I'm like, okay, and oh yeah, I remember, I, I forgot about that one, and stuff. So yeah, it, it, it it's it's pretty amazing that. <laughs> somehow I was able to accomplish some of the some of the stuff from such a small town and no running background and in my family just kind of wanting to do it. And that's kind of the message I always give to high school kids when I give speeches and stuff. It's it doesn't matter where you're from or kind of what your background is. It's like everyone has that opportunity. It's it's how much do you want it? And so that was the big thing for me as I had huge goals, and I just never wanted to kind of be satisfied with anything. So I just kind of kept pushing, and off I, I was pretty successful, I guess, in my career.
0: Oh, I'd say, I'd say, you know, you've mentioned your high school guys, you know, a couple of times. Uh, I have to wonder, do you have the same big goals for your coaching as you did, you know, for your time as an athlete?
3: Um, it's, it's much different. Um, obviously I'd like to, at some point, maybe have that, that next great miler come through and, and have some kind of influence on his career. But you, you get excited about such small things. Like I remember my first year with the team, I think my fastest guy in, in cross country was, and they run five, five k's here. He was like 1830. Hmm. I was like, oh man, what am I what am I getting myself into? <laughs> and then I had five guys that year break seventeen thirty and four of them under seventeen. So I had four guys in the sixteens and you start getting really excited for things you initially didn't think you would. Having a kid run five twenty in the mile then then break five twenty or five minutes by the end of the season. As an athlete or as a high school athlete, whatever it was eighteen years ago. I never would have said, I'll be be super excited when I have a a high schooler break five minutes for the first time. Hmm. But now in those shoes, it's it's just a completely different um, experience. And uh, I just get it. It, It's very satisfying, I guess. um, When you, you have these, these athletes that aren't runners or don't look at themselves as a runner and they're running pretty well and have the chance to go and run in college pretty exciting for me as a coach and to watch them to get excited for for their achievements as well
0: well man you've had you've had a really long career a very accomplished career and uh it's been a pleasure and an inspiration to watch it all and you know you've always been very good to to the show which i i totally appreciate a lot and man i just wish you all the best in in your retirement and you know thanks for all that you've done for the sport man
3: Oh, no problem. Yeah, thank you very much. Now it's, it's kind of nice that I can be that guy that just gets to sit back and look at results and not have to worry about just strapping on the spikes and getting out that race anymore.
0: <laughs> Having a career spanning so long with results as consistent as Nate's, it's pretty clear that he's left his mark on the sport, inspiring an entire generation of athletes along the way. Charles Bear Thibodeau is an Olympian, and a 334 1500 meter runner, with an exciting feature ahead, quickly developing into one of our country's best middle distance runners.
6: Hey, what's up, Terminal Mile? This is Charles philibert Thiboutot. I would just like to congratulate Nate Brennan on an awesome and incredible track career. Nate, I want to thank you for setting the bar so high for Canadian middle distance running, especially in the 1500 and a mile. You made us believe that it is possible to compete at the highest level in those distances. You were an absolute fierce competitor, but also embodied what it is to be a true, serious professional athlete. And again, thank you for all the positive influence you had on myself, but also on all the kids and all the athletes that were looking up to to you in no less than 20 years uh, of being a world-class middle distance runner. So Nate, enjoy your retirement. Hopefully I'll see you on the track side soon.
0: That wraps up another edition of The Terminal Mile. Big thanks to Nate for being on the show and congratulations on such an amazing career. It's been a blast to watch. Thanks to Tracky for their ongoing support. Be sure to find us online at The Terminal Mile on Instagram and Twitter. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, and of course, tracky.ca. Thanks to you for listening. This has been The Terminal Mile, a Tracky Radio production.